For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. secretly and found out from them the exact place that the star had appeared he sent them to Beth he sent them to Bethlehem and said go and search carefully for the child as soon as you find him report to me so that I may go and worship him after they had heard the king they went on their way and the star that they had seen it when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped at the place where the child was. God has invited us here. We have invited one another to come and discover the Christ child. Let us stand and worship that Christ child.
of the week for our Advent journey is a scroll, representative of God's word and promises. On that theme, let's pray together. O Lord, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, on this third Sunday of Advent, we pause to recognize that our ways and thoughts are so very different from your ways and thoughts. We need your word to shape our expectations and transform us into a people who will wait watch, and trust you to fulfill all your good promises in this world. Do you hear our anxious fears and doubts? Do you understand our impatience as we live as broken people in a world that is out of alignment with you? Promise keeper and word made flesh to live among us. Please speak into our ignorance and our arrogance and help us to watch and wait patiently for you trusting and cooperating for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We offer ourselves to you and ask that you give us peace that passes all understanding as we continue to wait in this Advent season. We pray this in the name of the Prince of Peace who is coming to reign forevermore, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says that God's word goes out and does not return empty. I wonder what that means. I think it's like making a promise and then keeping it. But people don't always keep their promises. That's true. But God is different. God's ways are better than our ways. When God makes a promise, God keeps that promise. What kind of promises come to mind when you think of the promises that God makes? I think of his promises to forgive us, Promises to come and rescue us. Promises to keep us and, and watch over us. And sometimes we're still waiting for God to fulfill those promises. The scroll is a symbol of God's word and the promises God has made to God's people throughout the ages. Today, we light the third candle of Advent to symbolize the peace we have found from trusting God's promises, even while we wait and watch and observe their fulfillment. I don't like waiting. One of our granddaughters is only five years old. One of our granddaughters is only five years old and she doesn't like to wait more than five minutes for anything. I'm 74 years old and I still can't stand waiting. <laughs> it's a good thing God keeps his promises no matter how good or bad we are at watching and observing. People of God, what scrolls do you trust in? Where do you need peace in your journey? Who else can you invite to go along? God promises to all of us 
Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Fellow wanderers, the journey continues. Advent we await this season is the king that the prophets foretold and the wise men sought and found. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. The peace of Christ be with you. Please share a sign of Christ's peace as you feel comfortable. journey as I am. I could use some help carrying my scrolls, you know. Join us while we follow his star and wonder. Okay, now back to work. Everybody, we're Eric and Meredith Scrotenborg. We're the creators of The Wandering Wise Men, and we are so excited that you've been wandering with the wise men this Christmas season. Our hope is that through this journey, you've learned something new about the context of the Bible, you've fallen more in love with God's words, and that this familiar story has come alive in a new and powerful way for you. So we will be praying for you as you continue this journey, as you continue to walk and wander with the wise men as they search for the one true light, Jesus. Morning, fellow wanderers. If you haven't joined us uh, in our wandering wise men, there are still some kits out there if you want to join the devotional or the finding and seeking of the little guys. There's even a couple uh, that you can do this at home, or you can find them here in the sanctuary. There are three of them in here somewhere. Hmm. My name is Nate Skipper, and I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship Church, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. If you are new or visiting with us, first off, welcome. We're glad that you're here. If you want to let yourself be known to us, we have connection cards uh, that you can find at the back uh, on some tables or at the Welcome Center uh, that we'd love to have you fill out uh, if you'd like to make yourself known to us. 
We do have visitors with us, though, this morning, and uh, I'm going to make them stand up. Not if you're visiting with us, and only one special, I mean, you could if you want to, but uh, there's one special visitor with us that isn't really a visitor. They're familiar friends uh, to us. They're uh, some of our mission partners through the RCA. Doug and Diane McClintock are here from Hungary. Come on. Uh, welcome, Doug and Diane. They work uh, closely alongside of some of our uh, really close partners uh, in the Netherlands, and they're here uh, to join us. Uh, so if you want to hear some of the work that God is doing, about some of the work that God is doing uh, in Europe and, and the Netherlands and about a potential trip that might be coming up in May, talk to Doug and Diane after the service uh, in the atrium, or you can join us for lunch uh, after this service. Uh, just let us know if you'd like to join us. We, uh, if you live within a couple miles of here, you are special because you got one of these cool postcards. Anybody recognize this? Some of you probably got it uh, in the mail. Uh, some of uh, others didn't get it. So we have some on the Welcome Center for you to take. Uh, this is intended to be a, an invitation that you can hand out uh, that we sent to some of our neighbors, but you can also hand out to some of your uh, coworkers or neighbors in your neighborhood that might not have gotten it, family or friends, uh, as a way to uh, extend an invitation uh, for those that might be uh, wondering about kind of participating uh, in a church over this season. Uh, this is a really opportune time to do that. Uh, one of the cool things I heard yesterday was a, a young family uh, being invited by a fellowship family to our Christmas pageant this Wednesday, which will be at 6.30 with a little meal beforehand. We'd love to have everyone join us uh, for that impromptu Christmas pageant. I hear uh, Pastor Ross is gonna dress up as an angel, so it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Also want to give a couple hip hip hoorays. Uh, you uh, might have heard if you've been worshiping with us for a little while about our No Scrooge November campaign. And we just finalized the numbers for that this past week. And we are so thankful uh, to God uh, for the generosity, uh, our shared generosity together. Did you know, we're gonna do a little hip hip hooray. Do you guys know how to do this? I'm gonna say hip hip and you're gonna say? You got it. That was good, but you can do better because we got some really cool things. Uh, first off, did you know that we gave about 40 boxes filled with household goods together uh, alongside of hundreds of others from other churches? Uh, the whole Holland community participated in giving these care boxes out at the Thanksgiving banquet uh, for Gateway Mission uh, a couple weeks ago. So first off, we say hip, hip. Hooray. to God for that. Uh, we also uh, together shared our resources and blessed a hundred different foster families uh, in our community through Bethany Christian Services and gave them gift cards so that they can buy gifts for their foster kids at home. For that, we say hip, hip, hooray, hooray to God. And then... Uh, Thanks to some gener the generos our shared generosity, uh, we were intending to bless three elementary schools with a lunch balance jubilee. But because of our shared generosity, over $2,000 is going to go to West Auto Schools to pay off every kid in the district's lunch balance at the end of this semester. And we say, hip, hip, come on. That's awesome. And then yesterday, how cool was it when we had a hundred or so people from fellowship and hundreds of people from our community come and participate in the Hope Christmas store last Sunday. Every single ornament on the Christmas tree was taken off and we blessed a number of families in our community with a Christmas store. So hip, hip, hooray to God for that. And on top of that icing bonus, come on, because so much of our resources were shared, we were able to also send a $2,000 check to our friends in Juarez with some wanderers down on the border with some uh, an opportunity to buy Christmas presents uh, through our church partner down there. And for that, we say hip, hip. Hooray. Come on, thanks be to God. Uh, so cool, and we're grateful uh, to partner with the work that God's doing, uh, not only in our community, uh, but also in our world. And if you would like to participate in that ongoing work and those ongoing relationships, there are offering baskets at the back of the sanctuary and at the Welcome Center. In just a moment, we're going to hear from this awesome guitar trio who will do a better job of preparing our hearts uh, for worship than I just did, or for the reading of God's word. Uh, and after that, the children uh, will be invited uh, to their places of worship right after this song.
special thank you to our guitar trio for using your gifts to glorify God and for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you, kids, ages three through eighth grade. You are free to go off to your discipleship adventures at this moment. And the rest of you, I invite you to join me in standing, actually. We're going to stand for the reading of God's word today comes to us from Matthew chapter 2 and Isaiah 55. So hear these words from the book that we love, where it says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Wink, wink. Not really. He's not going to do that. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their journey, and behold, the star that they had seen at its rising went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And then Isaiah 55 says this in verses 8 through 11, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, making it to bud and to flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. O God of the wanderers, you are God of all creation, of even the most remote people groups where the name of Jesus is yet unknown. You are God of all the prodigals, of the once belonging ones who have purposefully wandered far. You are God of the most nearby ones, of those in the church who just might be lost in your own backyard. And you are God of this wandering one of me, and I too am in need of your seeking and saving work. Thankfully, you, O God, have come to do just that, to seek and to save the lost, those nearby and those far, far off. And this morning we ask that you would please do it again. Do it even here, even now, even among us in this very place. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Being married to a teacher of special education has taught me a new term. The term is perseverate. Perseverate. Say it with me. Perseverate. The word means to repeat or to obsess. When you are stuck on something a new idea or a new product, something you want for Christmas, or if you are stuck on the memory of some traumatic experience, you are perseverating on that thing. If you talk about the same thing everywhere you go, you are perseverating on that thing. It reminds me of a quote from Dallas Willard who says that the ultimate freedom that we have as human beings is the power to select what we allow our mind to dwell upon. Again, he says, the ultimate freedom that we have as human beings is the power to select what we allow our mind to dwell upon. He says the same thing again a little more briefly when he says that our first freedom is where we choose to put our minds. Few people know this better than the Holocaust survivor Edith Eager, who experienced the imposition of Nazi everything and yet still affirms, like Dallas Willard, that our first freedom is where we choose to put our mind. She was brought to the death camp called Auschwitz. And on the very same day that she was separated from her mother, from her mother by Joseph Mengal, who was nicknamed the Angel of Death, he separated her from her mother, sent the mother off to the gas chambers, and then that very evening, yet still forced Edith Eager to dance for him. She's still alive, 95 years old-ish, 
and she's written a book called The Choice. In that book about Auschwitz and about all of life as we experience, she says, often we don't get to choose what happens. We can't change what we did or what was done to us, but we can choose how we think about it and how we respond to it. She's saying something similar to Dallas Willard, that unless there is some kind of mental illness at work, we do have the freedom. We can choose what we allow our mind to dwell upon. Today, I want to try to put one word in your mind today, and that word is behold. Behold. If you hear nothing else today, I hope you hear the one word, behold. It appears in our text in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, where it says of the wise men, behold, the star went before them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And it seems to me that that beholding moment for them forever changes the place they choose to put their mind. It's a pivot point in the story of these wandering wise men. But before we endeavor to join them in beholding together, let's review the journey that we've been on. Today is Advent 3, and two weeks ago it was Advent 1. On that day, we noticed that the wandering wise men were invited from afar. Pastor Tierra, a couple weeks ago, reminded us that these magi, these wise guys were both astrologers and astronomers, meaning that they were interested in both the movements of the stars and their meaning. So a science and a superstition kind of thing. Importantly, they were from the east, which is to say somewhere far off. Geographically, it seems that they were from Babylon or Persia or something like that. Spiritually, we know that these characters were suspect at best. In fact, every other time magi appear in the New Testament, they are bad company. According to official Israelite Orthodox religion at the time, these wise guys were sorcerers. They were magicians. They were stargazers. They were not, or at least not yet, God worshipers. Maybe you can relate. Maybe today you feel a bit like the church-going crowd would consider you bad company. Maybe I should say that even to the camera because you might be there rather than here if that's you. If you are a person who wonders if Jesus would be embarrassed to have you at his birthday party, I hope you notice that God's great invitation goes out almost offensively far. And even the wise guys are invited from far, far away. In Matthew's gospel, the Christmas story is written not only in the scriptures, but it's written also in the stars. And so come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. It's a great invitation. That's Advent 1. Advent 2 is the place where we notice that whether we are nearby or far away, the task is yet the same. It is to seek and to ask. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. That's what Isaiah says. The old game of hide and seek is always fun, right? And the fun is in the finding. God invites us to seek after him because God wants to be found. So even the church's most faithful saints they too, you too, are invited to always be a seeker and to never be numb to the news of Christmas. So Pastor Nate asked, what are you seeking this Christmas season? And could it be that our desires are actually a kind of homing device planted in us by God? Could it be that we are not to suppress our desires, but actually to pursue them all the more? accept all the more properly. Quoting C.S. Lewis in a little different way than Nate did, uh, same idea, however, C.S. Lewis said, it seems that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures who are fooling around with drink 
and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who goes on making mud pies in the slums because we cannot understand what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So seek and ask. That's what God wants us to do. That's Advent 2. On Advent 3, which is today, we're invited to stop. We pause the journey to watch and observe, particularly to watch and observe what God is up to in the world. In the Isaiah text that you've heard multiple times already now today, we are stopped dead in our tracks as God starts speaking and God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Notice those are the same things mentioned earlier. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Why? Because God's thoughts and God's ways are higher. They are better. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so far is God's ways higher than ours. God does not think like we think. God does not act like we act. And in the story of the Magi in Matthew chapter 2, the wise men behold They behold a star, star of wonder, star of night, westward leading, still proceeding. You know the song. They stop to behold that star. They watch and observe God and a God whose plans do not fail in world history. Advent 4, of course, is next week. We'll talk about that then. Today, I hope you notice that beholding is a bit like perseverating except it's perseverating on the things of God. You do not behold your to-do list. You do not behold a TV show. You behold the things of God, lost in wonder, love, and praise. So today I want to invite you to consider, to notice how Advent 3 marks a pivot point, a shift point in the story of these wandering wise men. It's a shift from something to something. I suspect you'll find this enormously relatable if you'll let their story speak to your story today. One of the most important leadership lessons I've heard on this subject is about the importance of the life shift that happens or the move from here to there. Sounds really brilliant, doesn't it? (laughs) Moving from here to there. Think about where you live or where you are in your spiritual journey right now, or a major change that you're considering in life, perhaps even right now. The simplicity of this lesson is that people, us, me, we often don't consider even beginning some kind of life-transforming journey unless we are dissatisfied with here, unless we realize you can't stay here. Here isn't working. And at the same time, We'll only stick with that costly journey of going all the way over there. We'll only do it if the there is actually worth it. If it is so compelling that we're willing to keep chasing after it. Almost all of life's important journeys are kind of like this. They are a journey from somewhere here to somewhere else. There. In the Bible, the kind of pinnacle story of this is the Exodus, right? Slavery in Egypt is the here that they need to get out of. It isn't working. They need to get out of there. And the place they are going to, the new compelling there, is the promised land. For each one of us who are seeking to follow Jesus, the here that we're trying to get away from is our old selves. And the there that we're trying to go to is the new life we are given in Christ. After all, Jesus didn't come into this world simply to affirm us exactly as we are. He came to justify us and to sanctify us. He came to move us from here to there. So when you change jobs or move cities, when you trade out this habit for that habit, it's likely that you are seeking to go from a less desirable place to a more desirable place. And sometimes the whole point is simply to get away from it, whatever it is, this here that you can't stay in. Other times, the real drive is to go there, some very compelling there that is worth it, no matter what. 
well, in the Matthew story, I think you get the idea, but we have, we have these wandering wise men who begin by coming from the east. They're on a seeking journey because their current here wasn't working. They're looking for something more. And today marks the important shift of them moving from here to there. They behold. They behold something that brings them to a new place. Their journey began with observation. They are having this discovery, some wonderful star thing that's happening that they're watching. But then it moves into revelation. They discover something of God underneath that great star. And so the text tells us, behold, the star went before them until it stopped over the place where the child was. The point is God is doing something new. Notice it. Watch, observe, behold this great thing. Unfortunately, in the Christmas story then, and even yet still today, it is plenty possible to not behold. In fact, we have a few examples of this. I wonder if you noticed in the story as we read it today, King Herod actually does not behold. He actively opposes. King Herod is one of the stories in the story of Matthew chapter 2. He's known as one of the great power brokers of ancient Palestine, and he was also famous for being a great builder. In fact, I'll show you a couple of the images. He built a fortress place called Masada. Looks like it belongs in the Lord of the Rings as an undefeatable city there. He built a place like that. He also helped build the crown jewel of ancient Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, right there. That was King Herod's building. And he also had a variety of palaces planted throughout the lands, several in Jerusalem and another one not too far off from Bethlehem, where today's important story is taking place. Herod may have been a great builder, but he was also a highly anxious one, even a paranoid leader he began to suspect that his own wife was against him, so he had her killed. And her mother, his mother-in-law, also, just in case. When he began to suspect that his own two sons were lusting after his throne, he had them both assassinated. And then, when he gets wind from the wise people around him that there is a Messiah born nearby, he decrees the massacre of the innocents, the slaughter of the innocents. It's in the story of Matthew chapter 2. He says that every baby boy, two years and under, must be killed. He was so paranoid to keep his power, he was willing to do anything to keep it. Herod's character is extreme, but he represents for us all who are eager to keep Jesus out of life as we currently like it and prefer it. And if today you refuse to behold what God is up to in the world, mostly because you have better plans that you'd prefer to keep, beware. King Herod is bad company. There is only short-term gain and long-term loss for those who fail to behold. There's a second set of folks, not in the reading today, but a couple of verses earlier, who fail to behold, and that's the religious leaders. They have apathy at the time. Their story is in Matthew chapter 2, specifically verse 4. These characters would basically be the ancient equivalent today's, to today's senior pastors and seminary professors. They are in the know. They are supposed to be in the know, and they are not surprised by this news of a coming king. They know exactly where the king is supposed to be born, in Bethlehem. They are the ones who tell the wise guys where to go. And then they don't go themselves. They don't seem to care. Their attitude is apathy. They are religiously numb. You might even say that they are perseverating on their own religious traditions while at the same time completely missing the point of all of their own traditions. Likewise, it's possible today to be so caught up in the traditions of Christmas that we actually miss Christ. So beware. Notice, if you have a nativity set, the religious leaders are not there. They didn't go. They also fail to behold. The ones who do behold are the wandering wise men. John Calvin calls them the first fruits of all the nations. 
they actually do behold. And please do not underestimate the power of their pause. They stop. They watch and observe what God is up to in the world. And in that very specific moment, having traveled far, they eventually stop wandering. They start wondering. And eventually, soon, they will be worshiping. The shift happens as they behold. So the final question for us today is if we want to join them in beholding the things of God in the world, what might we behold? I'll offer three things today that you might be able to behold even starting today. The book of nature, the book of scripture, and the word made flesh. First of all, of course, you can behold the wonders of creation. This is precisely what got the wandering wise men going in the first place. They were stargazing at first. Today, you might behold a sunset or a shooting star or a soaring eagle or a sequoia tree. Or consider this in the distant outside spaces. Did you know, I have a graphic for this, that our earth, you right now are traveling, spinning at approximately a thousand miles an hour. Did you know that our earth is orbiting the sun at approximately 66,000 miles an hour? The sun is orbiting around the Milky Way galaxy at over 500,000 miles an hour. And the Milky Way galaxy itself is moving at 1.3 million miles an hour. This tries to show that to you in relative terms. Holy cow. (laughs) All of these things combine in ways that I will never understand, but they generate gravity and temperature and things I don't even know to name, but they make life possible. It is all God's ways of making this world work so that we can be here right now and doing this. I don't understand it. We can only partially behold it. And we worship the God who made it all. If that is too far out in the outer spaces for you, consider even your own body or mine right now. You know how many cells are in your body? 30 trillion. That's an unfathomable number to me. I don't, I don't know anything about that except that's the same number as the U.S. government's debt, <laughs> which is also unfathomable, Right? Who made me? Who made you? Who made us? If it was up to me, we'd all be one-cell worms, not even, right? 30 trillion cells. Only God, whose thoughts and ways are not our ways, who is way beyond us, would make us. If the physics and the math stuff doesn't really get you going, consider also even the beauty of this earth that God has made. You can even just Google this. Look up Earth's top natural wonders. It'll show you places. You can travel even better to these places. The the Grand Canyon, Aurora Borealis, the Great Barrier Reef, the Great Sequoia Forests. Wonder of wonders. This world is full. It is wonderful. And who made it except one who is even more wonderful still? And friends, we have the opportunity to behold the wonders of creation. It's all around us. You can also behold the promises of God in Scripture. Because God is a God who makes and keeps good promises. You've heard it in the text already, like rain and like snow that goes out and does not return empty. So God is a God who makes and keeps his promises. In Matthew chapter 2 alone, there's not one, not two, there's four specific prophecies named, and those promises are fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus. What Micah said, what Hosea said, what Jeremiah said, what Isaiah said, these things come to fruition in the Christ child. So you can Behold the promises of God in the good book. There's unlimited treasures to discover in this good book. Last but not least, you can behold a king in a manger. By all means, that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? And that is where the wise men finally stop their wandering and start their beholding. They see a king in a manger. Surely they were not expecting such a thing. They were not expecting a cattle stall. That is different. Those are ways that are not our ways. 
Again, I love the way that C.S. Lewis says this. He says it so, so well, many things. He says, it's no good asking for a simple religion. After all, real things are not simple. Reality, in fact, is usually something you could not have guessed. That is one of the reasons I believe Christianity. It is a religion that you could not have guessed. And enemy-occupied territory, that's what this world is. But Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. And you might say he has landed in disguise. So friends, behold, a king in a manger. Behold, the long-awaited one, God's Messiah in disguise. Behold, God's promises forever kept in the one who will reign forever and ever and ever. Amen.
And behold, the star went before them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Why? Because my thoughts are not your thoughts, declares the Lord, neither are my ways your ways. And of God's good purposes, well, they are like rain or like snow or like God's word made flesh. These things, they go out and they do not return empty. Behold, the wise men, once wandering, now wondering, soon worshiping. Let's join them. Friends, as you go from this place to behold the work of God in the world on our behalf, may the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Go in peace.